Hello everyone, and welcome back to Indie Talk Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Paul Martinez. We are back today to talk about some three very interesting shows. Uh, we're going to talk about Ring of Honor TV, which is the first Ring of Honor that appeared on Destination America. We will talk about uh, Lucha Underground, which uh, was episode 32. And we're going to talk about Night One, War of the Worlds uh, show with Ring of Honor and stars of New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, on it. I've been meaning to get to those shows, and I'm going to get to Night One. And uh, it was an incredible night. We're going to get to that last. That'll be our main event of the evening. But uh, let's start it off with Ring of Honor TV. Okay. This Ring of Honor, before I even get into it, as I said, the first uh, new episode that was appearing in Destination America, and the format changed drastically from what we've talked about. Uh, we'll go over the show and you'll see what I mean. Opens up with uh, Kushida of New Japan Pro Wrestling facing Will Ferrara. Huge ovation for Kushida. He's really over with the Ring of Honor crowd. A very even match. Kushida giving a lot of shine to the rookie. Uh, Kushida hits a moonsault, but Ferrara kicks out at two. But then Kushida locks on the Kimura and gets a submission victory. Two stars, good solid opener. Very surprised they let Ferrara get as much offense as he did. After the match, the addiction come to ringside and tell the announcers, Kelly and Carino, that Red Dragon can have their rematch only next week. Okay, so obviously Addiction's going to do something to make like Red Dragon miss the show or something. So we'll see what, how that plays out next week. Uh, next match, Silas Young versus Watanabe, also New Japan Pro Wrestling. Although he's really been on tour in the States for a while. Uh, from what I understand, he will be, after these shows, he was headed back to New Japan. So we should be seeing him over there post the Super Junior Tournament. Uh, in this match, Watanabe is starting off pretty fast. Uh, he goes for a superplex with Sadik's counters, hits a flying lariat from the top. Watanabe winds up getting the fight out to the floor, hits an overhead German suplex out there. They wind up getting back in the ring, there's a few reversals, and then Silas executes an airplane spin into a TKO, and he gets the win. Two and a half stars, it was a fine battle, but really nothing dramatic. Our third match, B.J. Whitmer versus Moose. But before the match, B.J. gets a mic and says he's not wrestling. Instead, he's giving the match to his young boy, Kobe Carino. Of course, the son of broadcaster Steve Carino, who is ringside for this whole thing. And if you haven't been keeping up with what's going on, B.J. and Carino have had this kind of feud going for, wow, a better part of a year. And uh, BJ, just to get at Carino, took his 18-year-old son as a protege. But really, as you can see, he's totally healing this up where he has no plans to help Kobe. He's just doing this to anger Steve. So Kobe, previously they had talked about he's kind of been a friend to the rookie Moose as Moose came to the company. But now he's a part of Decade and he has to act the, act the role. So he slaps Moose. Then Pi faces him. Now, 
We talked about Moose. I think Moose is one of the most impressive rookies I've seen in years. He is a huge, huge man. Think of Ezekiel Jackson, but in better condition. But you know, a guy that size. Kobe Carino. Uh, Kobe Carino. Who does Kobe Carino resemble? Zach Gowan. Uh, the 1-2-3 kid. Before he was X-Pac, he was actually the 1-2-3 kid. He, what was the kid might have actually been more muscular than Kobe Carino. He's just a very frail 18 year old kid who's pie facing this monster Moose. So Moose has had enough of this. He hurls Kobe over the top rope. Moose goes out, utterly destroys this kid as the decade is laughing. Then Adam Page tosses Kobe back into the ring for more punishment. But Moose has mercy. He just steps on him and gets the three count. One star, total squash. Then we see Lito outside talking to Truth Martini. Uh, he's concerned that he has to wrestle the Briscoes tonight in a tag match. But Truth tells Jay not to worry, he has it all worked out. Then we see Mandy Leone as he introduces Inside ROH, which is a new magazine segment uh, on Ring of Honor TV. And this week she goes over the Adam Page ACH view. Uh, then we get our main event. The Briscoes face Donovan Dijak and what was supposed to be Jay Lethal, but instead is Jay Diesel. Uh, surprisingly even match. House of Truth is beating down Mark for a bit, but he hot tags Jay, who takes up both members of the House of Truth. Then he and Mark hit Doomsday on the Diesel. They get the win. Two and a half stars. Good, not great match. After D-Jack went through hitting Feast Your Eyes on Mark out on the floor, Jay hits a dive onto him, tosses him in the ring for a Jay Drilla, but Lethal stops it. But Jen Jay Briscoe hits the Jay Drilla on Lethal instead. Well, which, this was a great ending, a great angle to end the show. But you can see the differences in this show already. First of all, we have four matches, and we usually have two. None of them particularly great. I guess the best match was the main event, and even that was good, but nothing like we've been seeing. And we had segments. You know, we had a, a segment with Lito talking to Martini and an inside ROH thing. Uh, I'm not sure about the Destination America version of ROH at all right now. Just everything I love about the show was not here this week. I found it a very subpar show. And just a side note about this inside ROH thing. I guess most of you don't know this. I am part of what they call a fantasy wrestling federation. In which we have our own territories and book our own companies. With angles and matches and interviews and what have you. And on my show, uh, which my federation is called the Extreme Wrestling Alliance, we have a segment called Inside XWA. I just find it funny that all of a sudden I see here it's Inside ROH. Uh, coincidence? Maybe, but if you ask any of the guys who are on that board, which is, uh, the Wrestling Swarm, by the way, if you want to come check that board out, uh, anybody from on the Wrestling Swarm will tell you we've long felt that uh, bookers from all the major wrestling uh, companies 
read our fantasy feds for ideas. So, uh, I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm taking half credit for this inside ROH idea. Uh, let's move on to Lucha Underground. This is episode 32. Show opens up in Dario's office. Dario's sitting there with Chavo. Chavo tells Dario everything that's been happening with Black Lotus and offers to serve her up on a silver platter to him. But he wants 24-hour protection from Mexico. Dario says, fine, what is it that he really wants? And uh, Chavo just smiles. So apparently that's to be continued. So we get another twist here. Chavo was on Quito's side all along. Apparently he was a spy. And without, uh, you know, getting info on Black Lotus. Uh, meanwhile, he told Azteca that, uh, you know, he was with him. So, once again, Chavo uh, playing both sides of the fence. Get our opening match. Jack Evans is back. And this time he's facing Argenis. Darius says the winner of this match can get one of the mystic medallions that uh, Phoenix has already won uh, one of them. Evans taking the fight to Argenis with some really eye-popping eye maneuvers early. He does get caught into a high-angle suplex, though. Argenis winds up hitting a variation of the one-winged angel for a close fall. Uh, Jack Evans then catches Argenis with a backslide with a bridge. He gets the win. Never saw that before. That was really cool. Uh, two and a half stars. Good match. Really liking Jack Evans right now. We're in the locker room area. And Davari tells Big Rick that they've got a trio's title match tonight. But they need a partner. So Rick suggests his cousin the Mac. But Cage comes out and basically says that he's the right man, not him. Uh, Cage attacks Mac, takes him out. As Rick is told not to get involved. And then Davari uh, takes Cage as a partner and orders Rick to leave Mac, who was laid out uh, in the locker room. But uh, Davari tells him, leave him. And uh, Rick Rick follows the man with the money. So, uh, again, we see the further furthering of Rick's heel turn on his own cousin. This is obviously going to lead to uh, some sort of uh, situation between the two. Soon enough. We are in another locker room area. And there's Black Lotus. Chavo shows up and tells her all is going to plan. He tells her she has a match tonight. Then he tries to sneak attack her. But she's ready. And beats the hell out of him. Chavo yells now. And Castro and Cisco attack. Lotus fends them off as well. Laying them out. But Chavo cracks her from behind with a kendo stick, he batches her again once she's on the floor, then pulls out some handcuffs. Back to the ring, Son of Havoc, Ivelisse, and Angelico defending the trio's championship against Delavar, Davari, Cage, and Big Rick. Uh, the champs still can't get along. They're still doing this thing that they hate each other. As much as I like this storyline, I really feel they need to tone down the friction within the team a little bit. Um, I don't expect them to be completely buddy-buddy yet. But, you know, let's start making a slow, very slowly thing of them working together. I think that is the right way to play this. Even he still has a foot in a cast, by the way. 
Uh, but she's demanding to be tagged in. But Son of Havoc and Angelico seem to ignore her. She gets frustrated. And as Angelico is getting beat up in the ring, she goes and sits with the fans. But still yelling at uh, her team for not getting the job done. Cage runs up powerbombing Angelico for near fall. Things look pretty bad for the champs. When all of a sudden, Tahano shows up, takes out Rick, distracts Davari, which causes him to get hit with the shooting star press. Courtesy of Son of Havoc, two and a half stars. Good, not great. Uh, definitely not on the par of the other trios title matches we've seen from this team, but it was still good. And it furthers the uh, Davari Tejano feud. So uh, there was a reason for everything that happened here. We're back in the Quetzal's office, and Chavo and the crew bring in a gagged and restrained Black Lotus. Daryl says he will put her across from his brother, so he'll never be lonely again. Back to the ring, it's time for our main event of the evening. It is Pentagon Jr. versus Sexy Star in a submission match. Uh, Pentagon wearing a Perros del Mal shirt, honoring his fallen friend, Perro Aguario Jr. Uh, he promises to break her arm for his master. Star sneak attacks him before the bell. And it's really a back and forth match. Uh, sexy fighting a much rougher physical style than usual. Then they start trading submission holds. Stars look kind of sloppy. And even the announcers kind of point that out. Uh, but Pentagon does a number of holds I've never seen. And they looked amazing. Uh, suddenly Star catches him with a single leg crab. Pentagon Jr. is in serious trouble here. Looks like he might tap. And into the ring runs Superfly. And no surprise to me and no surprise to you guys if you listened last week. I called this. This is going to come. He attacks Sexy Star. Superfly hits a powerbomb on her. Gives her the Pentagon for a package power driver. Then he applies a modified surfboard and she taps. Uh, he winds up setting up for the arm breaker. But Vampiro runs in the ring and saves her. Then Vamp and Pentagon face off. But no punches are thrown. Finally, Vampiro leaves. Three and a half stars for the match and the angle after. As I said, I told you all along. I felt Superfly was showing up here and turning heel tonight. And he did. And I could be wrong. But I still think Vampiro could be the master of Pentagon. I mean, there were no punches thrown. But I have to admit, as we get to this last little thing that happened here... Made me not sure. Because what happens is we switch to the back. And we see Vampiro in front of a mirror. And he's very upset. We hear flashbacks of him talking. About all the bad things he's done. How he can't sleep at night. Then he starts ramming his head into the mirror. Smashing it. And we see a great shot. Of an almost demented face of Vampiro. In the broken glass. Uh, that was freaking awesome. <laughs> I mean, again, this is a, this is really I I I know it's ad nauseum at this point, but I really there's always new listeners out there. There might be people who don't watch Lucha Underground, so I I do stress it to you guys. We do review this show every week on indie on indie wrestling podcast, but it's really not a wrestling show. It's a TV show about wrestling, but. They use actual professional wrestlers, and so 
it's something that we talk about. But it's not a wrestling show. It's a show about wrestling. And uh, so, you know, these these things get, you know, they, these are directors that are filming these skits and, you know, actors and, and many takes and big budgets, which is why they're trying to get onto Univision and other uh, major channels this year. So that's why some of these segments are just so incredible. So first half of the show, but this Vampiro angle was total money, and I just continue to love Lucha Underground. Okay, now we're going to talk about War of the Worlds. This is night one. Uh, this took place in Philadelphia on May 12th, 2015. Show opens with Michael Elgin on a treadmill, cutting a promo how Ring of Honor refuses to give him a title shot. He says he's going to run through the New Japan competition and then force Nigel to give him his title shot. Adam Cole comes out to the ring. He tells the fans that uh, he was due to make his return on night two in a six-man match uh, because the doctors and Ring of Honor want him to ease his way back uh, from the injury. And he says they can kiss his ass. He's going to return tonight as he challenges AJ Styles for the IWGP heavyweight title. Crowd goes bananas. Carino goes bananas. Good stuff. I had already had heard that it was going to be uh, Adam Cole before I even saw this. But still, it was a nice way to pop it to the fans. Our opening match of the show, Gato versus Delirious. Basically, it's his battle with the bookers. Gato is the head booker of New Japan. Delirious, of course, the head booker of Ring of Honor Pro Wrestling. It's been quite a while since I've seen Delirious in the ring. And he was a little sloppy. There was tons of air between some of his strikes. Uh, you know, the guy, I don't know when's the last time he's wrestled. You know, the rust was evident. Uh, Delirious has the advantage early, but Gato takes over. Really works over Delirious for a bit. And Gato winds up using a ref bump and a low blow to roll up Delirious for the win. One and a half stars, despite the overall sloppiness. It was nice to see Delirious in the ring again. I was always a big fan of his. Match two, Roderick Strong versus Kushida. Uh, Kushida putting on a show early and the crowd loving it. An incredible sequence of counters that ends with Kushida hitting the Nomo and Strong the jumping knee strike as both men are down after that. Uh, this match continues. This insane action this match. Strong hits a super duper suplex uh, off the top. Uh, gets a near fall. Fans are just loving this. So is I. Kushida gets on the Kimura. Somehow, Roddy countered it into a death by Roderick. Followed by a sick kick. One, two, no way. Kushida kicks out. But Roddy grabs him. Hits a ridiculous strong breaker. This time he gets the three count. Four stars. What a match. Great job by these two guys. Um, I, I say right now, in my opinion, Kushida is the best junior in all of New Japan. And uh, that's why I picked him to win the New Japan Super Junior Tournament. A tournament that the uh, finals I will be reviewing on Strong Style Podcast later this week. So look for that. And, of course, um, his opponent in this match, Roderick Strong, who 
I think along with Jay Lethal right now are like the hottest two wrestlers in the world. I, I think there's no way Roderick Storm goes through 2015 about winning one of the Ring of Honor belts. Uh, my guess, the TV title. Speaking of the TV title, the next match, Jay Lethal versus Watanabe for the Ring of Honor Television Championship. Before the match, Lethal cuts a promo on how he is the best wrestler in the world and how much he hates the stupid man-up champs. <laughs> uh, chance. I love Jay Lethal. Jay tries to sneak attack Watanabe and pays the price with two Germans on his head. Then he's getting beat up all around the outside. The fans are chanting Suplex City. Loved it. Another German out on the floor. Despite all that, Lethal comes back. Winds up hitting the hail to the king for two. Watanabe gets Lethal on his shoulders, but Tupatani distracts him, which allows Jay to slip out, hit a cutter. Then the Lethal injection as Jay Lethal retains his title. Two and a half stars, a good match. Afterwards, Briscoe comes out and jumps in the ring, but Lethal and crew take their leave quickly. Then, you get the Young Bucks versus Addiction versus the Kingdom. Now, all three teams currently holding championships. The Young Bucks are the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions, the Addiction or the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions of the World, and the Kingdom are the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Maria, conspicuous by her absence as the Kingdom makes the way out, one word to describe this, frantic. There was a great spot where Kazarian thinks he avoided a double super kick from the Young Bucks, but he was mistaken. <laughs> uh, midway through the match, we get a Where's Maria chant. At one point, the Bucks just lay out all four opponents as the crowd erupts its Young Bucks chants. Bucks continue to dominate, getting a near fall on Daniels. Then the match starts to get frantic again. Kazarian hits a slingshot cutter on Nick Jackson for a near fall. Then we get another halftime superkick party with almost everyone, including the referee Paul Turner, getting laid out. Uh, Daniels is the lone man left standing as he sees the carnage around him and he starts to smile. He grabs the title belt to use on someone, but then things get crazy again. There's belt shots, superkicks everywhere. In the end, the Young Bucks are left standing. They hit the Meltzer driver on Kazarian and win this amazing match. Four and a half stars. Oh, my goodness. I'm at a loss of words. Standing ovation from the Philly crowd and well-deserved. And, you know, this is the 2300 Philly crowd. You know, the original ECW crowd. These guys are given a standing ovation for anything. You know, these guys just don't, like, we hear a lot. But people just chant, this is awesome for any random match. The ovation they got from this crowd was deserved. One of the best matches I've seen all year. I, Off the top of my head, best tag team match I've seen all year. Just uh, incredible work by all six men. Uh, yes, and that includes Michael Bennett, people. I know the internet hates Michael Bennett. But I'm telling you, in... I wasn't a fan of his either, but him and Taven work really well as a team. I don't think he should ever. I think he should pay Taven 
to stay with him as a partner. Uh, they, they just work so well together. Uh, after that, uh, Moose and his managers, Stokely and Vita Scott, come out. I'm really not sure what this was supposed to be about. Stokely cuts a promo, saying Moose to be the number one contender, and uh, then Vita Scott gets angry at him, saying, well, she demands a title shot. What the hell? Is this meant to be stupid? Judging from Stokely's reaction, I think he thought the way I did. Well, you're mad at Stokely because he's saying that Moose should be number one contender, and but you're and you want him to get a title shot, which means you want him to be number one contender. So what are you mad about? She dresses him down. Like I have no idea what was going on here. To be honest. Vita Scott, I loved Vita Scott when I used to attend Ring of Honor shows and she was like the ring bell girl or whatever and I thought she was so cute and I used to try to like get her attention and, and smile at her and nothing. It's cold fish, wouldn't even look me in the face. But um, hey, hey, listen, who am I? You know, I'm just some guy in the crowd. I didn't expect anything. But I liked her a lot better then than I do with this character she plays. I don't like it. She, I find her annoying. I find her voice annoying. Um, I'm sorry. It's, it's not, this is, as they used to say, X-Pac heat. This is not heat because he's a good heel. It's heat because she's just bad at what she's doing. That's my personal opinion. Not a Vita Scott fan right now. Our next match, Michael Elgin versus Tetsuya Naito. Uh, Naito really using his speed to keep Elgin off balance early on. But Elgin turns it around and is really pounding on Naito here. Elgin hits the ripcord rolling elbow, gets a two count. Top rope Hurricane Rana by Naito for near four. Elgin then winds up hitting the buckle bomb, looks for the revolution Elgin bomb, but Naito counters into a victory row and gets the W. Three stars. Very good back and forth match with a surprise ending. The crowd didn't believe it. The announcers really put it over as a shock. And Elgin's uh, reaction was priceless. As he, like, he couldn't even comprehend that he lost the match. Uh, very well done. Then we our next match, uh, the Red Dragon uh, face Hiroshi Tanahashi and Jushin Thunder Liger. I was looking forward to this match, so I wasn't really sure what I was going to get. The crowd, though, is hot for this one. They love Tanahashi and Liger, as well as Red Dragon. A solid tag match, back and forth. Both teams showing their goods. Jushin hits the Liger bomb on Bobby Fish, but Kyle breaks up the pin attempt. Later on, they take out Tanahashi on the floor. Red Dragon hit Liger with the two-man Smash Brothers, but he kicks out. But then they finish him off with Chasing the Dragon. Two stars. It was good, but really nothing special. I kind of hoped for a lot more. But it seems to be the same situation with Tanahashi. Uh, he's still nursing his injuries, and he's really not. He's really uh, just not going all out in matches, and he hasn't for probably since Wrestle Kingdom. I haven't seen him go all out. I still say, I, I talked about this on Strong Style Podcast with Tanahashi. I think he should have just did an injury angle and then have him sit for five months if he's that banged up. Because you need this guy to be full strength for the G1. That's my opinion. I would have played this very differently. I, you got him on mid-card tag matches. I think you could work an angle that he was injured by Okada or something. 
and and give him some rest. Okay. Then we get AJ Styles defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Adam Cole. Okay, Cole's looking a bit pudgy around the midsection. Almost looked a little Chris Heroish, but not that bad. Uh, my guess this is from just not being able to train. They shake hands, but Cole spits on AJ's glove and laughs. Some nice chain wrestling early. Then AJ catches him with a powerbomb onto his knee. Both guys really working hard this match. AJ hits a torture rack bomb for a two count. Then AJ looks for the Styles Clash, but Adam counters into a vertical suplex on his knee. AJ then later on hits a brain bust on Cole on the apron that looked insane. Cole barely gets back in the ring at 19. Then a simply awesome sequence where Cole winds up evading a Pele kick and nails a super kick. Uh, covers for two as the crowd was on their feet. Styles clashed by Adam Cole. He covers for two. Uh, the crowd, which was split, it's all for Adam at this point. AJ evades a running knee, hits the Pele, two power drivers into the Styles clash. This is over. Wow. This was Adam Cole's first match back. Yes, it helps work with arguably the best American wrestler in the world, but still. Four stars. I am floored by how good this was. I must see a rematch after Cole was back to top shape. And again, when I say I'm shocked, you can say, oh, how are you going to say you're shocked at the AJ Styles match? Because uh, I didn't know what Adam Cole had. Adam Cole had wrestled in like six months. No, he had surgery on his arm. He didn't look in top condition. So I was a little worried that this may not be a great match or that they wouldn't work hard. These guys went all out. Great, great match. Now it's time for our main event. The Briscoes versus uh, Kashuka Okada and Suzuki Nakamura. And how the hell do you top that title match? But this is how. This is a true dream match. I have not remembered seeing anybody as over, you know, outside of maybe Daniel Bryan, I haven't seen anybody as over in the American crowd like Shusuke Nakamura was over here. They loved Nakamura. And oh my God, <laughs> very funny thing to start this. Nakamura seems to not understand the code of honor and seems confused. Uh, he shakes the hands, not really understanding what's going on, then he shakes the referee's hand. Then he turns, he shakes Okada's hand too. I was crying from laughing. I love this guy. Uh, match starts out fairly even. Uh, Mark winds up getting Nakamura on the outside. Works him over a little bit, but uh, Nakamura hits a big knee, gets things back to even really. Very even match throughout. Jay looks for a Jay drill on Nakamura, but he counters into a face for a suplex. Okada gets marked in the red ink submission, but Jay breaks that up. All four men in the ring. Briscoe takes out Nakamura and looks for Doomsday device on Okada. Okada fights it, drop kicks Mark to the floor. But Jay hits a Death Valley driver. Mark is back up, nails the froggy bow. But Okada kicks out. Okada catches Jay with a heavy rain. Nakamura connects with a Boma Yay on Jay. Takes him out the ring. Okada nails a flying elbow on Mark. 
Here comes the pose. Rainmaker, one, two, three. Three and a half stars. Great match. I can't say it was a letdown. I mean, it's just, there was a couple matches on this card better, but this wasn't a letdown match. It had a really, really, really good match. It's just, there was a couple matches on this card that just were out of control. Afterwards, Bobby Fish comes out. He grabs Jay's belt, parades around the ring of it. As uh, I think at night two, Bobby Fish is getting a title shot against Jay Briscoe. So they're kind of pushing that. The security's holding Jay back. Uh, finally, Fish uh, you know, lays the belt down the ring and leaves. Well, that was just a thing, I guess, to promote night two. But uh, what a show. What a show. I told you guys before, I was looking forward to these ROH New Japan uh, mashup shows. This was a great one. I thought looking at the card, I thought night one would be the better show. I have not watched night two yet. I know I'm a little behind. Sorry, guys. Work has been crazy. But I am going to watch night two this week. I will review it next week. And uh, this, that's this night one. This has set the bar pretty high for night two. I, I did see the When Worlds Collide pay-per-view. This show, much better than that show. So of the... Uh, you know, the three ROH New Japan shows, uh, the two that I've seen, this is the best of the two. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what night two uh, has in store for us. And that's our show. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And I uh, hope you come back for us next time. And until then, bye-bye.